The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Monday, April 12th. And uh, as a reminder, you can always leave a five-star review if you're so inclined to uh, have us answer a mailbag question for you. We will answer any and all mailbag questions when people leave five-star reviews. We're still, we still have plenty in the queue to get to, uh, for instance, there's one out there. Somebody asked me about North Carolina golf courses. Uh, we will certainly answer that one, uh, forthcoming, but, um, any questions you have about golf, about life, about football, you can let us know draft all season, whatever it is. You can ask us about Billy Horschel's 14 that he put up on Sunday at Augusta. If you're so inclined, uh, in the feed, of course, the mailbag and coming up this week, in-depth quarterback profiles all week long, which should be exciting. The Masters and March Madness may be over, but the sports calendar never sleeps. The NHL's trade deadline, really? Daily NBA, NHL, and MLB action to RBC Heritage Tournament, NFL Draft News and Rumors, plus UEFA quarterfinals. And you're home to stay in the know for all of it, CBS Sports HQ. CBS Sports HQ is the only sports news streaming service that's completely free. How to watch CBS Sports HQ? Easy. It's available for free on your computer, your mobile device, or your connected TV via the CBS Sports apps. Or if you're more of a YouTube person, subscribe to CBS Sports HQ on YouTube for all the latest sports news videos on demand. Personally, I never, ever, ever miss a big story in sports because I turn it on first thing in the morning and leave it on all day while I'm working, just like Ryan Wilson, because we are company men. And I'll leave you with this. If you're a sports news junkie like me, no sports news network is faster with breaking news than CBS Sports HQ. Ryan Wilson, talking draft, mock draft Monday. What's up, buddy? Hey, 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 I cannot believe, insert name here, won the Masters in the way that they did. Amazing. Truly stunning, and I'm glad that we had CBS Sports HQ. And to, first of all, you could watch it all on Paramount+. Plus, Which I um, did. You and I were watching. We actually started this podcast about 20 minutes late. Not because I was actually on time for once, but we started it late because we were watching Billy Horschel melt down via the magic of Paramount+. Plus. And then, of course, all the recap from that amazing, insert name here, victory on CBS Sports HQ. Q. Uh, we're going to talk about the we're talking about the bottom half of the first round today in your latest mock. Um, you know, it's easy, I think, to focus on, especially this year because of all the quarterbacks and and the trades that we've seen and the the interest in you know Mac Jones and Justin Fields beyond just Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. It's easy to f- just to get to lost in the top seven picks of the draft, and you know, I mean that that happens every year. Um, 
have you found yourself sort of, you know, being a little lackadaisical with the bottom half of your, your mock drafts? No, because I've done 30, what will be 33 mock drafts when this thing comes out. So, you know, you're trying to mix things up week in and week out. But I will say, like, the month of April, things are starting to to come together. There's only, like, I don't want to start making changes because that's what I feel like is going to happen. So some of these uh, picks, certainly the top with the, the top two picks and probably the, the top three picks won't change from here on out unless something crazy happens. But at the bottom, even, you see some sort of repetition. Uh, last week, I had the Steelers taking Jason Oway out of Penn State. And he just feels like the type of player the Steelers would target as an edge rusher. He's incredibly raw, incredibly, incredibly athletic, has sort of a, a Bud Dupree feel to, to in, ter- in terms of the trajectory of his, his NFL career could take in that he'll come in and, and need to learn the position. But, you know, a year, 18 months in, he's going to start to dominate. So I think at the bottom half after 15, after these quarterbacks go off the board, and I would imagine they're all gone by, by 12. Um, we talked last time that. Former NFL executive Mike Lombardi thinks the Washington football team could be in the Trey Lance business, so maybe they move for him. But 15 and down, I think they're going to see a run on edge rushers. Mm. We'll, we'll see a run on some of the offensive linemen that didn't go in the top 15 um, and, and some cornerbacks and some linebackers. That, that would, that's what it feels like just you know having done this for, God, since September now. That, that's sort of how this is shaking out, assuming, of course, there aren't a bunch of trades up and down the board. But well, yeah. You actually have a trade that's worth talking about here. The Carolina Panthers go down to um, number 18 or 19? 19. 19. Okay. Carolina gets number 19, number 74, and a 2022 second rounder from the Washington football team who moved up to number eight. Who did uh, Washington take at eight in their latest mock? Justin Fields? Trey Lance? Trey Lance, yeah. I sort of gave it away a minute ago. So, uh, yeah, I mentioned in, in the actual mock draft that based on Mike, Mike Lombardi's speculation, informed speculation on his podcast, that this seems certainly reasonable. And I don't think if it's not the Washington, it could be the Bears. It could be the Patriots. It could be the Steelers. It could be the Saints. There are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. And, and Trey Lance, if you think he's special and you're willing to take a gamble on a guy who's only played 17 FCS games, then you'll go up and get him. And um, I think if you're Washington, you have Ryan Fitzpatrick who can play another year. Do you want to go two more years to Ryan Fitzpatrick and you have Heineken on a two-year deal? So, you know. Do um the one thing I would push back on that with maybe would be that if you're the Panthers, are you worried that if you move down to 19 that you would miss out on either Rashawn Slater or Christian Darasel? Because I, 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 is it is it possible that one of those guys, one of those offensive tackles, falls to them at 19? Uh, you have Tevin Jenkins going at 20 to the Bears. Uh, was that in consideration for Carolina there at 19? And um, you know to argue against myself for whatever reason, I would say that um, I like this idea a lot for Carolina because it helps them recoup the, obviously the draft capital they gave up for Sam Darnold. Yeah. So Tevin Jenkins would, would be a fantastic pick there for them. He, he, I like him a lot. He's a really good player. He's just a, a hair below the two, two other guys you mentioned and, and Darisaw and was it Bear Tucker? Who else did you mention there? Uh, no, Darisaw and Rashawn Slater. Rashawn Slater. Yeah. Yeah. Rashawn so Rash- Slater's not making it out of the, well, I mean, how is this going to work with these guys? Like, all right, who's the biggest name that you could see falling down to this range? Yeah. The thing about the the edge rush class is such that you don't know how teams feel about all these guys, primarily because they're all pretty much short of experience outside of, of uh, Ojolari. And, and Jalen Phillips has had some experience, but he actually retired from the game because of because of injury. So that's, that's the concern with him. That's a red flag. Yeah. So, but it, I mean, he didn't look injured at all during the 2020 season. So. Does David Collins make it to 17, the linebacker? He could go earlier than that. He, he, again, these guys are physical freaks by and large, but I think 
Tevin Jenkins should be there at 19. I had the Panthers taking cornerback Greg Newsom, um, who again is a really good football player, feels like a top 20 guy. And, uh, this is a two round mock draft. So I actually had them taking in round two, the Panthers, Jalen Mayfield, who played right tackle at Michigan. He could kick inside. So he, you get sort of the offensive lineman, uh, you know, on the flip side, if you feel like the, Cornerback depth is such that there won't be a player there, and there actually probably will be a player there um, in round two where the Panthers pick. So you could certainly go Tevin Jenkins one and then get a cornerback in, in round two, maybe a, a Kelvin Joseph or Ify Mel and Fonwu, if that's the direction you want to go. But, you know, I killed uh, the two birds with different stones in terms of being first or second round picks based on mm. position. I like it. Uh, all right, so you talk about the edge rushers who are down there. Uh, I mean, I guess we could include Jay, yeah, Jalen Phillips here because you have a, a run on edge rushers. Jalen Phillips, Aziz Ojolari, Quidi Pei, Gregory Rousseau, and Jason Owe. Who, uh, who, who's your favorite out of that group and why? I had Jalen Phillips going first, but, uh, Aziz Ojolari is my edge rush one. I had Jalen Phillips going first just because that, that just assumes he goes 18 to the Dolphins that there are no red flags with the medicals. Um, Aziz Ojolari is my favorite because he's the most complete player. He's sort of under the radar in that he doesn't sort of Jump off the screen. He does when you watch him, but it's, it's not like you, when you watch Quiddy Pay or, or Jalen Phillips or even Jason Oway in, in spurts, but he is so incredibly consistent. He's good against the run. He can get after the passer and he feels the most NFL ready to come in and contribute consistently. And, and I think given the way he plays, he makes a lot of sense for Indianapolis in terms of the, the, the style he played at Georgia. So he's my favorite. Um, Quiddy Pay, I think is, has a chance to be really good. He made a, a huge jump from 2019 to 2020. Uh, but he's still raw. Gregory Rousseau opted out last year. So there are questions about the type of player he could be because he didn't play last year. Before that, he was a converted wide receiver. He had 15 and a half sacks in, in 2019. So that certainly got your attention, but Jalen Phillips replaced him and, and outplayed him and will probably get drafted before he does. So that is, uh, that's just something to keep an eye on. And if you, all right, so let me ask you this with these, all, we see all these like running, all these cornerbacks and edge guys, defensive linemen. It feels like, I mean, is it, is this a good group of, players here or is this just is it sort of need based and it's like you know what i'm saying like because it's pretty rare when you don't have an edge rusher going in the top 10 and that's right so there's no nick or joey bow so there's no chase young but there are a lot of really good edge players that are going to need time to to, whether it's through experience or coaching or whatever to grow into the roles and I, i think i don't think any of these guys are stretches because that's what happens when you do these one round mock drafts like okay let me just fill a need uh, all these guys have the potential in every position, I feel like, to, to start or contribute right away. And sometimes, you know, you, you fill out these mock drafts and you end up getting the the eighth offensive tackle in the first round. And, and how helpful is that going to be? But even Sam Cosme, who is the last offensive tackle I have going in the first round, he's a first-round, second-round talent. So to go at 25 to the Jaguars, that is not um, outside the realm of possibility. And number one, Phil's need number two, could play substantially number three next year, especially – with uh, Trevor Lawrence being your quarterback. So some of the surprises, quote-unquote, Jamie Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky, goes 26. He's been sort of in the first-round mix for the last few weeks. Um, this is the first time I had him going round one. Um, he, he's a first-round talent. I think I have him like 35 or something on my big board, which comes out Wednesday if you're looking forward to that. Or even if you're not. Another surprise is Caleb Farley, who is my cornerback one. At least he was before he had a second back procedure a few weeks ago. And didn't participate in his pro day. I have him going 28th now to, to the Saints. So if he's healthy and his, his folks say he'll be healthy, his folks, his reps, not his parents, say he'll be healthy once the season begins, then that's a, an absolute slam dunk steal for the Saints. 
Um, if there's some questions about that, and I know that some teams have questions because I've talked to those teams, he could slip. He could go from being a top 10 pick to being, you know, near the bottom of the first round, maybe even top of the second. So NFL teams now have to double back and make sure that they're convinced he's healthy. And if they don't, maybe they, they move him down a little bit. I was just sort of looking back at this. It's kind of crazy. There haven't been very many, like you have obviously the Bosa's and Chase Young and the Bradley Chubb, if you want to go back the last couple of years, but there haven't been a lot of pass rushers taken. In the, like this. So, and if you go back a ways, it's Jadavian Clowney who never became the quote unquote pass rusher. He was more of a, a run stopper and he was, uh, was he, he was number one overall, right? Yeah. They took him yeah. over, uh, like Portals was the other guy they were looking Ooh. at there. Wow. Well, I mean, um, Mario so, Williams, your guy. Yeah, I mean, that's going way back there. Well, I guess I, I'm just saying like in the, all right. So in the 2020 draft, we had Chase Young going number two overall and he would have been one if Burrow wasn't there. Um, and then you have to go all the way down to number 20 where Caleb on Chase on goes. Yep. And then you have Yetro Gross Matos in a second round. I and mean, that's pretty wild for like, you know, to be that late 2019, you have, uh, Nick Bosa and Cleveland Farrell who ended up, you know, going a lot earlier than people thought. And then Brian Burns at 16. I mean, my point is that like, it's just, I guess Josh Allen there too. The way it's listed, he's outside linebacker. But my, I guess, I guess if you're trying to slot out these guys who are looking at with these edge rushers, where, I mean, and I know this is hard to do, especially on the fly, but like if you're, if you're like, let's use Brian Burns and Caleb on Chase on. Yeah. Like, so Caleb on Chase on, and you mentioned your two gross Matos who went early in the second round. Sure. That's where this, this group fits between Caleb on Chase on and your two gross Matos. Now I would take a healthy Jalen Phillips over Caleb on Chase on. And a healthy, well, not healthy, he is. I would take Aziz Ojolari over Caleb on Chase on. Because Chase on, like a lot of these guys I've talked about, is a projection. Sure. Same with Yutur Grosmatos. I actually think that uh, Jason Owe is going to be a better player than than Yutur Grosmatos at the next level. He's just, he, he started playing football as a junior in high school. So he's just so incredibly raw. And Brian Burns, the issue with him was that he weighed 235 or whatever. And I remember talking to him at uh, just before the draft on the red carpet, back when we could go places in, in Nashville, and he weighed 245 or 249 in his pro day. And he said he felt he could play at that weight. And he's been a really good player for the Panthers. I'm not sure what he's playing at in Carolina, but um, the size hasn't been an issue. But that was one of the knocks on him in terms of is he a, a legit top 10, top 15 talent. So these are all, you know, and I say it all the time. If the draft were February 15th, we wouldn't have time to pick these guys apart. But you're looking for reasons to, to not like <laughs> not like a guy. So um, I think that's a good Aziza Jolari, Caleb on Chase on. All the guys I have going here, and, and then right uh, around Yutura Gross Matos. And you were higher on Brian Burns, I think, maybe. Than- I like Brian Burns a lot. I, yeah. You know, obviously I'm concerned about a, a Nash rusher playing at 235, but he, he put on some weight and he said he was comfortable with it. And he's been, he's been good for Carolina. Yeah. So, I mean, he, yeah, yeah. But I think that's, that's very helpful. And you did a great job answering it because I, I, you know, you look at this and you're like, well, all these edge rushers are going late. There's not a standout guy. Is this a result of the, the needs up at the top or is this a court, you know, the quarter, the quarterback's pushing it down, but it is really just, it's not an elite edge rusher class. And there are a lot of good offensive linemen, uh, also a lot of cornerbacks. So, yeah. uh, who, who will be the, the top cornerbacks coming off the board late in the first round? We'll tell you coming up after the break. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. 
That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the cornerback class, you have in your mock draft – the first cornerback coming off the board, Patrick Sertain, number nine of the Broncos, J.C. Horn at 10 to the Cowboys. Those guys feel like they are cut above everybody else. Uh, is Greg Newsom up there with them, who you have going 19 to the Panthers? Yeah, he is. He, he I mean, this cornerback class is surprisingly good. I mentioned Caleb Farley sort of slipping, and that has everything to do with the fact of uh, the, the back procedure. I think it's the second one he's had. I okay. could be wrong on that, but he was my cornerback one. Uh, Sertain is just – he is what he is and that he's ex- experienced. His dad played in the NFL for a long time. He's smart. He's big. He's strong. He's pretty fast. Uh, has pretty good ball skills. He, you know, he, he can come in right away. He was the best defensive back on the team in the last two years. And that includes Xavier McKinney and Trevon Diggs back in 2019. JC Horn, I typically have him going 16th to the Cardinals just because that's how everything falls out. But now with the Farley, um, news pushing him down, and Sertan going to pick earlier to nine. He usually goes to 10 to the Cowboys. I had the Cowboys going with JC Horn. I don't think there's much of a drop off. Uh, he's extremely physical. He's big. He's six one. His dad is Joe Horn. So back to back players go whose dad played in the NFL at different positions. And then Greg Newsom isn't far behind, but we shouldn't hear a ton about him because he played at Northwestern, but, right. um, they play mostly cover four Northwestern, but he's again, physical. He's long. He ran the four threes at his, at his pro day. Tyson Campbell, I like more than most folks as a first round pick. He doesn't have a lot of production, but he is always at the catch point. Again, six one. He might be. He needs to need to add some weight. He's one eighty five, but he moves like a much smaller cornerback in terms of getting in and out of his breaks. I like that a lot. Let's see. Is that the and then Caleb Farley? Those are the the five cornerbacks that went in in the first round. I do believe. Then I had a run of guys in, in the second round as well. Um, and I think I think one of the things with Newsom too that people, at least, is what you sort of hear is that like people really like his floor. And I, and, and four is sometimes used in a pejorative manner, but. No, it's not. It's a, if you have a high floor, that's great. <laughs> no, no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, we'd be like, oh, he's got a high floor, but what's his ceiling? And it's like, well, look, I mean, if the guy's got a high floor and he's a young professional athlete, his ceiling's probably pretty high. I mean, it's like, you know, and the, people said that about Joey Bosa. They're like, he's got a great floor, but maybe, maybe he hit his ceiling. It's like, what are you talking about? He's 20 years old in a freak show. Right. Again. You have too much time to, to worry about. Well, and I, I, I guess I just sort of wonder too, like, I'm, I'm very curious to see, cause I don't think, I mean, do we have a lot of Northwestern guys who have been drafted? Um, I'm trying to think. Off the top of my head, there was a quarterback a couple of years ago that was drafted, uh, Clayton, uh, Thorson. Clayton, Clayton Thorson. Yeah. Yeah. He was drafted in 2019 by the Eagles to one yeah, of many, Thor- one of many quarterbacks the Eagles have chewed up and, and spit mm-hmm. out. Um, I actually, yeah. when, I, when I graded him, I graded him as a better version of Carson Wentz, if I recall correctly. Oh, <laughs> Unnecessary depot. And, and it's, I, it's just a drive by. <laughs> oh, you know who was, uh, you know who was, uh, a Northwestern guy it was, uh, Danny Vital, Dick Vital's son. Yeah. <laughs> um, who, uh, was drafted by the, uh, the Buccaneers actually, which is in the sixth round, which is probably not a coincidence that the, that the Bucks drafted their super fan son, their famous, like, Wait, is that really his son? Pretty sure he is. Oh, that's a stare. I never. Isn't he? Or not? Maybe he's not. Is he not? Maybe, they, maybe they were drafting Dick Vitale as the Buccaneer. Maybe he's not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. right. I'm just you know. I'm not, 
Dylan. Okay, yeah, all right. He's not. He's just happens. Okay, that's just a coincidence. I thought he was his son. Or maybe Dick Vitale joked that he was his son. If, if, yeah, we probably would have talked to that before. Uh, anyway, my point is that there are not many Northwestern draft picks. The last guy from Northwestern to go in the first round of the draft, according to Northwestern Wildcats in the NFL draft Wikipedia page, Luis Castillo oh, back, yeah. in, back in 2005. And my, but my point about that too is that He's not a Pat, he wasn't a Pat Fitzgerald guy, I don't believe. So I sort of wonder how are the, like, this is the first time we're ever going to see some Pat Fitzgerald coached players come into the NFL as high draft picks. And I sort of wonder how that will, like, I feel like teams will be high on Pat Fitzgerald guys because he's a really good coach, a really disciplined coach. Um, you know, do you think that's a, a, a real thing with Rashawn Slater and, and Greg Newsom getting pumped up this year? Yeah, not only that, it'll help recruiting. If you're taking three star guys and turn them into to top thirty two picks, sure. Uh, yes, more of that, please. So that's it's a win win win. So absolutely. So I'm looking at his numbers here. I'm trying to see what's what he was coming out. Greg Newsom, but he, uh, I haven't found that yet. But he was he ran a four three eight at his, which doesn't matter. He he played he played with a with sort of that speed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Greg Newsom was a three star coming out. Okay. Um, let's. All right, that, that, that about covers the uh, the cornerback class, right? And you know, just looking at the rest of the bottom of the first round, if, I mean, it feels sort of like you can take these cornerbacks and these edge rushers, toss them into a uh, a bowl, shake it up, sprinkle them around the bottom of the first round, and that's how it's going to play out. Is there anybody that you thought about sneaking into the first round as a surprise? You have a Sunday Samuel Jr. falling out of the first round. Yeah, and that's just sort of a. I've had him going the first round before. Typically, I have him going in round two. He's uh, a little smaller at five ten, but I mean, he's made this point, and I think it's a good one. And B Max made this point too separately. They that Asante's compared himself to J. Alexander. B Max has compared him to J. Alexander, and I think that's a good comp because he's five ten, and no one knows that he's five ten. The other thing to consider, you know, you know who I compare him to? Who? Asante Samuel Senior. That's a good good comp as well. <laughs> Pretty easy one to make too. How about uh, Asante Samuel and Patrick Sertain's sons are both in this draft class? I mean, we were just old Joe, as hell. Joe Horn. Oh, is J.C. Horn Joe Horn's son? Yeah, that's what I just said while you were doing something else a few minutes ago. I was I was researching draft picks from the past. But uh, here's the thing, and something to keep in mind. Asante Samuel could be the best cornerback in this draft class. We just don't know. Jeffrey Kuda went third overall last year and had a terrible season. Sure. Uh, for any number of reasons. Um, Trevon Diggs struggled early on. He was a second-round pick and played a little better. Um, CJ Henderson started strong and then struggled for the Jaguars. It's just, it's an incredibly tough position to play. You're going against some of the most athletic people on planet earth with these wide receivers that look like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown now. So yeah, it's a huge ask. So, um, this is how I like them now based on what they did in college, but obviously that could change once they get to the NFL because Jeffrey Kuda, if, if we knew now what we knew a year ago, probably wouldn't be third overall. He has a chance to be really good, but we just haven't seen it yet. Uh, over under. Try to find the actual number, but I'm curious. Over under 0.5 running backs taken in the first round. I feel like the ugh, it's going to be close. I think I'll take the over, but I, I mean, last year the over hit with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which no one saw coming. Except that's, for that's true. Except for Andy Reid. Uh, I actually almost mocked that. Um, let's see in the uh William Hill has a bunch of props up, but they don't have over under I see wide receivers drafted in the first round. Where is it? Come on now. Um Are you looking okay. at wide receivers now? I'll just say this while you look at no, 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 I'm looking for total running backs taken in the first round and they don't have it for some reason. Ooh. Right, go, running, go ahead. Go ahead. The running back 
the first chance that the running back going off the board could be 18 with the Dolphins' second first-round pick. That still feels a little rich, but after that, it could happen at 23 with the Jets, 24 with the Steelers, 25 even with the Jaguars with their second first-round pick, and um, the Bills at 30, and then the Bucks at 32 also makes some sense. But there are so many other directions you can go. This running back class isn't incredibly deep, mm-hmm. but again, you can get guys in the second round. We saw the run on running backs last year in the second round and where a lot of good guys went off the board. J.K. Dobbins, um, what, uh, John, uh, uh, Taylor. Nope. Yeah. That's it. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, here's an interesting over under. Yeah, go. It's not running backs, but wide receivers. Total wide receivers drafted in round one. Hold on. Let me guess. Okay. Uh, four and a half. That is the exact number, but be- the over is minus 200. The under is plus 170. That's really interesting. I sort of like the under. I think it's going to be, we know you- the three that are going off. Jamar Chase. Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith in some order. Unquestionably going in the first round. Three is locked in. The question is, will Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman, and Rondell Moore would be your? Here's the thing about Rondell Moore, who I love. Like, I absolutely love him. I especially love him going to the Packers at 29, like a team like that. Or even the Chiefs at 31, which would be insane. But he ran 4-2 in his pro day, had a 42-inch vertical. He's listed at 5'9", and I was t- talking to a scout about this. I said, you know, he's actually 5'7", right? He goes, oh, my God, he's 5'7". I mean, he could fall into the second round. He could fall well into the second round. Because five, seven, I'm 5'7". Five, <laughs> like, like, actually, I'm 5'9". 5'7 is really yeah, you're, short. Yeah, you're taller than 5'7". Like, Breach is taller than 5'7". And Breach is miniature. So Breach that's is 5'3". Pete, Pete, <laughs> Pete Prisco is 5'7". Yeah, is he? <laughs> yeah, Pete's, Pete's like five four, but that's a lot to add. Like again, so you're trying, you're talking about AJ Brown or DK Metcalf, and then you have Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore's a different player, but Tyreek Hill is five ten, I think. So that's three inches shorter than Tyreek Hill, who does a lot of the same things. And if you take him in the first round, you can certainly you just have to find ways to get him open. That said, I think he, I mean, he would have a, I feel like a ton of success uh, in Green Bay with Devontae Adams and being on one side and, and him on the other, and, of course, Aaron Rodgers. But that was, like, teams are going to be concerned about the 5-7 the part. So I don't know. Like, Terrace Marshall could also be in the mix. He's the, the tall wide receiver, huge catch rate from LSU. But are you going to take a guy in the first round whose most most of his production came when he was had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson on his team? Mm. I mean, is that a number one guy? That's that's what you have to figure out. So, yeah, four and a half is the number. I uh, that, That's a great number because I don't know. I'd go under at plus 170, I think. I think so. I think but, so. But if it were evenly juiced, I might go over. Yep, I think that's right. Uh, okay, so let's get to some listener questions from the YouTube stream. If you want to, you can watch us on YouTube.com slash pick six. Uh, we stream on Sunday afternoons. We're doing this at like 1.30 cause I got a coach. I got to, I'm an assistant coach for my sons. Uh, just the assistant. You're selling like you're the, you're the, the head. You know what they call the, the coach in soccer? The, uh, manager? The gaffer. Uh, I'm the assistant gaffer then, I guess. I don't know uh, if that's a, a word, but yeah, you're the, you're, not the, I, you're not the gaffer. No, I mean, I, Robbie just joined a team and then they were like, my, my wife was like, volunteered me to be the assistant coach. And they're like, yeah, the first, first game is su- Sunday in the middle of the Masters on, uh. Oh, like, you have a game. You don't even have a, uh, practice. practice. I, I don't know what we're doing. I don't, I don't, even know, I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I passed the background check yet, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's a no. Uh, Billy, Billy Horschel is back in that water. Um, anyway, all right. So Ali asks, ask, if the Falcons trade down, let's say below number nine, hypothetically to the Pats, what would be an acceptable return? So the Pat Falcons are at four, obviously. 
I think the landing spots for them, if they trade out of that four spot because somebody wants to come up and get a quarterback, we, the Bengals aren't going anywhere and they have Joe Burrow. The Dolphins uh, have made it clear that, you know, with their actions, in my opinion, that they're going to draft at six because that's sort of how they feel this draft works for them. Um, the Lions, I, I don't think, are going to trade up. Uh, Carolina at eight is already traded for Sam Darnold. So they're not, and they're not trading in the division. So I think we start at nine, uh, for possible teams that could move up. You have the Broncos at nine. The Cowboys and Giants theoretically have their quarterbacks. The Eagles have already traded out of number six. So they're not coming back up. One wouldn't think the Chargers have their quarterback. The Vikings have something. And so the Patriots at 15. I suppose the Raiders at 17, you could maybe squeak in there as the floor for them or Washington at 19. So, so I'm going to use RJ White's modified draft picker. Which you can find on, chart. you can find on cbssports.com. Can you? Do you not? I think you posted. Oh, that'd be great. Great. So anyway, you just punch in a few numbers. That's what old people say about like using a computer. You punch it in. So let's assume that the Falcons trade down from four to 15 with the Patriots. The Patriots trade up. Would you take as the Falcons the 15th pick, a second round pick this year as well, which is 46 and a second round pick next year? Okay, hold on, say that again. I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm, I was finding RJ's page. You can find it on cbsports.com. Oh, so Google RJ White trade chart and, uh, it pops up and he does the, it's based on recent draft trades since the new CBA with the idea being that teams value these, these picks differently than they did when Jimmy Johnson was running the Cowboys. So the Patriots get the fourth pick, the Falcons mm-hmm. go down and get the 15th pick, the 46th pick, which is second rounder and next year's second rounder. Yeah, yes. I would do, I think I would do that. Um, Ali S also asked, uh, for a team like Atlanta with fewer line issues, would you address that before picking a skill position player? And I, I mentioned that comment because I think that that's sort of part of this deal for Atlanta. So Kyle Pitts might be the best player in this draft with, you know, regardless of position. You know, if you take position value out of it, um, you can make a case that Kyle Pitts is the best player in the draft. I, you know, Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence, whatever it is. But I, if you're Atlanta and you have Hayden Hurst, you know, whatever, he's got one year left on his deal and you got, but you have Calvin Ridley and you have Julio Jones and you, you know, you're going to roll with Matt Ryan for this year, which it, it seems pretty clear at this point that that's what they're going to do. I think you can make the case that if you're, if you're the Falcons, you, you want to get out of that fourth pick to just get as many additional future picks as you possibly can get because of their cap situation and because yeah. of their lack of young talent on the roster. And so, I think those, I think two, so we were talking about two second rounders to move down 11 spots. One this year, one next year. And here's the thing. So this actually favors the Falcons in terms of the trade value chart as RJ lays it out. But there's also, I think, this- I think because of the quarterback situation here, because of the scarcity now, whether it's like right. if you want Justin Fields, you have to get to four or else you might get, you know, the, you know you're not going to get him. I think you can make the case that you'd want a future first instead of a future that's, second. That's what I was going to say. The, the 49er effect, which we saw, they get, they give an extra first round pick to go from 12 to, to three. So that's yeah. right. So it could be a 15, two second rounders and a first rounder when the second, the first rounder, let me see. Let's just assume it's the 15th overall pick next year. I mean, that's a 300 point difference as opposed to being like a 25 point difference in terms of value points that the, Falcons would make out on if that extra first round. See, for me, people are, the problem is like when we were talking about possible trade ups and then the 49ers thing happened and now you're talking about uh, other trade ups, you have to understand that the 49ers, I mean, they overpaid by a substantial margin, but they did so for basically exclusive negotiating rights. 
you know, they, they called up the, 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 the Dolphins and said, look, we want to get to three. And, you know, when you're talking about lobbing multiple future first on the table, three overall first round picks, you know, including this, the, the one this year, you know, when you do that, you're doing it because you're saying like, look, we don't want you shopping this, this offer. We want, we want to make something happen. We are willing to overpay for it. But the important thing about that is that it doesn't necessarily set the market for the number four pick. You know what it's I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's like Patrick Mahomes' contract. Right. Like just cause, yeah, just exactly. It's a great call. Um, somebody told me I made an ass of myself talking about Mahomes' contract the other day. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, possible. But the point being is that like you can't use the 49ers, what the Dolphins got from the 49ers as the baseline for what the Falcons can get it for because you have less teams that are willing to trade up because the, the Falcons have, you know, I mean, the 49ers have already moved up. Um, you have one less quarterback who's off the board and you also have this, I think when you look at the draft, the way that it shakes out, like if you're the Broncos, do you want to pay the price to move up to four? I think I'd just rather gamble and sitting at nine and just see what those other teams do. Well, it depends on how you feel about Drew Locke. They have um George Payton as the new general manager, so we'll yeah, see. Yeah, because yeah, it does feel like if you had Justin Fields to the Broncos, then they could be a playoff team. That offense is primed to be good. You're not yeah. going to be Chiefs, but you should be able to compete with the, the Chargers for a playoff spot for sure. For sure. And, All right. and, the, and the Raiders. For that. Uh, uh, do D-Mart says... Do, uh, let's get to this one first. Do they call these mock draft Monday because Wilson gets relentlessly mocked for his drafts? So my boy Ryan Wilson over at CBS Sports came out with his latest mock. My boy, my boy. Ryan Wilson! My boy. I can't hear this. I have no idea how long that went on. Uh, back to McNane asks, can <laughs> the Seahawks trade back into the first round? Physically? Yes, of course they can. Um, to answer the first question, yeah, I, I get mocked every day of the week, so it doesn't necessarily—they're not called mock draft Mondays to be mock, mock draft season. But um, I do take some solace in knowing that people much better respected than me, like Lance Erline, gets the same sort of abuse on on TikTok. So yeah, you think Daniel Jeremiah's like skating just because he's like a, <laughs> the, just because he's the nicest human being on, on planet Earth and like one of the smartest draft guys to oh, ever yeah. come through the NFL media complex? No, he's getting blistered online. My, my boys LZ and DJ, I'm sorry, yeah. still my guys thunder. But yeah, so the Seahawks have three three picks in this draft, three picks in this draft. So that's obviously a concern. Three total picks. Three picks in this draft. Was, wait, 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 Like, they have three draft picks. 56, the second round pick. They have a fourth rounder. And then they Where the hell all the picks go? <laughs> Jamal Adams took up some of the they picks. They lose them? Like, they drop them, like, out of the car when they're driving like, down so the highway? Double whatever. Check the, um, the, three, three picks. Let's see how it's going in the future as well. So, so we can see if they're tracking the first round. The handy site is prosportstransactions.com if you're interested. So, uh, the Jamal Adams trade, golly, the custom. I'm trying to figure out where all these picks went. So the third round pick was also part of the Jamal Adams trade. They lost that. The Gabe Jackson trade cost them their fifth round pick, the, the offensive lineman they traded for. Um, da, 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 trade a seventh round pick. And the fifth round pick was to, to, for Quandre Diggs. So, oh my gosh. Okay. So three picks in, in that draft. Next year's first round pick goes to the Seahawks. <laughs> Holy crap, I forgot about that. So next year they don't have a first round pick. They have a second and a third. And they don't have a fourth round pick next year. God, they don't have any picks. So I wonder who McNane wants, is interested in trading up back in the first round to get. 
because the second round pick they can get an edge rusher, they can get an offensive lineman, they can get a cornerback that can help. Those are the positional needs. But you don't have a first or a fourth next year, and you only have three picks this year. You're looking at second or third and a five through seven next year. So I don't know. Would you trade up? No, you don't have anything to trade up for. You you got three picks. You can't trade the first. Can you trade Jamal Adams for a first rounder? Would you trade Jamal Adams for one first rounder right now? They gave up two first rounders and a third rounder for him. That's what I'm saying. Would you, would you, would you bail out? Would you cash out your bet? Oh, then you have another issue to, another hole to fill. So yeah, I mean, they, they can trade up. It would be incredibly expensive and probably unwise just because. They have salary cap concerns, last I checked. Now, they're not in fantastic shape, and they don't have any draft picks. I, I do. I am curious who, who you'd be targeting in round one, because you can get something close to that, perhaps, in, in round two. Um, whether less so at edge rusher, more so probably at cornerback or offensive lineman. But um, So, yeah, my initial re- reaction is no. I wouldn't try to trade back up. You can't? You have three picks? You're not trading anywhere. You're making. I mean, you could trade I, a player, I, I, but I would. If I were the Seahawks, here's what I would do: I would take those three picks, and I would I would text every the other 31 NFL teams, the GMs of the other 31 NFL teams, and I would say, "Make me your best single pick offer for our three picks. Give me the highest pick. If you want, we're giving away these three. We're trading these three picks for one pick, and then I, it would be a second round pick. And yeah, and so then if I'm John Schneider. I'm pulling a name out of a hat, sending it to an intern, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to Kiowa for three days. And I'm not even doing the draft. I'm just saying, like, just draft somebody in the second round. Take whoever the best second rounder is. And then they have, you know, have the 56 pick, which is three yeah. picks. They only have three picks. So you might be able to move up. Well, let's use RJ's draft chart and see how high can you move up with picks 56. So they have 56. What are the other two again? 56, 130. Oh, these are so spread out. This is brutal. You have to sit through the entire draft yeah. with three picks. Yeah, that's the worst part. If you're covering the team, or if you're you're a scout who's worked a year and a half to, to identify players, so you're down to three. <laughs> what I mean, what are they doing on th- like? Are they gonna have a war room on Friday on Thursday? You're just like ten dudes and ten dudes at the Seahawks facility watching 32, 31 other teams make picks. You bring so Jamal Adams in there. This is wild. Here's what is incredibly disheartening. And yes, as McNeney oh, points man. out, the Seahawks usually stink in the first round, so the second round is better. The Seahawks, so, the Seahawks do stink in the first round. Here's the thing. Yeah, that's true. You won't draft Rashad Penny, so that's good. Or, or LJ Kyer or, um, oh gosh, who, uh, Rashad Penny. Yeah, Rashad Penny was a weird one. There's another weird one too. Um, Jermaine Fetty wasn't bad. Who was it? Who was the other weird Oh my one? gosh. So here, here, let me tell you something. This is going to be, Close your ears, Seahawks fan slash McNane. So according to RJ White's draft value chart, which is, you know, post, uh, CBA world, for those three picks that the, the Seahawks have, 56, 130, and 252, a second, a fourth, and a seventh, you can get all the way, how high do you think you can get up with those three picks? Like what number uh, pick can you get up to? 56 is the, 56 is the highest they have. 54? I don't know. Like, uh, 40, 45. 49. It, 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 <laughs> Is about equal value according to the draft value chart. So I, I'm dead serious. If I'm John oh. Schneider, I am taking those three picks and I'm calling whoever's fourth a fourth round pick and play though. You need that fourth round. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. You're not doing that. You're trying to get as many players as you can get. And the, the, you know, look, you look at the fourth round picks in, in recent years. I mean, look, hey, the Seahawks got DK Metcalf with 64 last year. 
So, or two years ago, excuse me. So, I mean, yeah, right. you know, like it's, they got Shaq Griffin with a fifth round pick in 2018. Uh, Trey Flowers was 2018 fifth round pick. Um, I oh, know they got Shaquem Griffin with a fifth round pick. Shaq Griffin was a third round pick, excuse yeah. me, in 2017. Um, Nazir Jones. I mean, they, they, they really are so much better in the, in the middle rounds than they are. Maybe they're onto world. something. Frank Clark, uh, second round pick. Tyler Lockett, third round pick. Good Lord. Yeah, Frank yeah. had had some off field stuff. I think it's why he slipped, but whatever. He got him yes. around too. So yeah. it's great that, in a sense, maybe it's great that they traded all those first round picks for Jamal Adams, so they can't make mistakes in the first <laughs> round. As uh, McNaney adds in the chat, we're screwed. That is correct. Um, not necessarily. I mean, all right. Dmart asks, why are people higher on Tyson Campbell than Eric Stokes? Campbell was the CB two behind Stokes. It was not very productive. I know he's a prototypical corner size, very fluid with hips, but still, Wilson. Yeah, DeMart is actually reading my mind about the the last sentence there. And also the part about not being very productive. He didn't put up a lot of uh pass breakups slash interceptions. But I think he has a chance to, you know, go back to the floor and ceiling. I think his ceiling is much higher. And, and Eric Stokes to me, who ran in the four twos at the at that modified pro day in Fort Lauderdale, and I think he ran close to that at his pro day at Georgia. Let's double check. He's a little stiffer. Like they're both six one. I think Stokes weighs a little more. Tyson Campbell does need to add five, seven, eight pounds. But Stokes was a little stiffer to me, and I don't like him as much as, as some other people do. There, Prisco likes him a lot, and there's some other people that, that have him as a second round pick. I actually have him, I think, as a as an early third round pick. I think Tyson Campbell, you're taking a gamble on the potential to be really good. But again, we've seen tall cornerbacks who don't weigh a lot struggle. So he's got to gain weight. But I agree with D Mart. 42 that I think he moves extremely well for someone who's 6-1. The ball production needs to needs to improve. Now, even if that just means getting better at, at pass breakups, because he's often at the catch point, like to, to compete for the ball. He just sometimes gets out muscled or or unlucky or whatever you want to call it. But that's a that's a fair point and, and a criticism of uh Campbell that I've heard. And people like Stokes because of that athleticism. His interceptions were sort of right place, right time. So you don't, is that replicable? Probably not, but it still counts, Eric Stokes. So that's also something to keep in mind. But I just like, I like Campbell a little better. I mean, we'll find out in a year or two who's right, but, um, it's not surprising that some, some people like Stokes better than Campbell. Uh, all right. One more and we'll get out of here. Uh, Sims, Sim and Stim, Sim and Stim. Uh, Buffalo question for me, though, most agree that we need edge or cornerback. The key to our defense is linebacker. That is a hundred percent true. And that is always true about Sean McDermott defenses. It was the case in Carolina, obviously with Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, and then Shaq, Shaq, uh, Thompson. Evans has issues in Milano. Evans is still really young, by the way. And Milano's injuries a problem. Is there a linebacker in the first or even second that could cover, uh, both of those that could help to fill in both of those problems? Yes. Next question. That was, <laughs> that was, that was my, uh, Drew Rosenhaus. Yeah. So Micah Parsons is probably almost certainly going to be gone. The only reason he would be there is because sometimes. And, and the, and the bills are picking at uh, 30. Micah Parsons ain't going to be there. Well, there's some off-field stuff that people, oh. some teams may have issues with. Is it, is it serious off-field stuff? Or is it, I mean, like, a, obviously everything's serious, but I don't know if Debo remembers the details because I, I'm having trouble finding details on it. It's a hazing incident from early on in his career. At Penn State, and I, and I talked to a scout that said it, it, he felt like it was mostly maturity stuff. So we'll see. Like I don't honestly, I don't have the details. I don't know if Depot remembers that or if he were if he was in school then or, or whatever. But um, Zayvon Collins will probably be gone. Who reminds me a little bit actually of Tremaine Edmonds in the way he plays in terms of just being a, a physical freak. You could do just about everything. Jamin Davis is potentially a, a player who could be there who only has one year as a starter, but man, he blew the doors off that one year last year. 
Uh, Jeremiah Usukormoa out of uh, Notre Dame is sort of a tweener. He's listed at 220, and I remember talking to a scout during the season that thought he was more of a safety than a linebacker. You, and his coach, Brian Kelly, said this at his pro day. You have to find a position for him. You can't just have him out there floating around. He has to have a plan, and that team, that's how you get the most out of him. Nick Bolton out of Missouri is another guy who could be there, bottom one, mid-round two. The thing that, that to answer your question, Simmons Stem, there are going to be a lot of athletic linebackers in the top two rounds that could go. Jabril Cox, the transfer from North Dakota State, he went to LSU, um, could be a round two, round three guy. Same with Chaz Surratt, UNC's Chaz Surratt. Yeah, former, former quarterback. Former quarterback. Talk about a, sm- a good business decision. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's actually going to get drafted higher than his brother, Seisharad, who was a wide receiver for Wake Forest, who opted out last year. Uh, I think he's actually a better athlete. And those are some names to keep an eye on as um, sort of on the top 80, 75, 80, in, in terms of where they could be could be taken. Baron Browning, I don't know if I mentioned him or not. I like him a lot at Ohio State. He's He's a little bit undersized. But uh, he flies around and, and licks people, too. I think all those guys would make a ton of sense for what Sean McVay does because they're all athletic, sideline, Mc, sideline guys. Mc, McDermott, McDermott, but yes. What do I call him? McFay. Sean McVay? Oh, yeah. Same guy. They need, a, all... they, need, they need a linebacker, too, so it could make sense in L.A. Yeah, I don't think that would be shocking at all if they went linebacker. And I will point out with Tremaine Edmonds, um, on May 2nd, he will turn 23 years old. Ooh. He's younger He's younger than a bunch of dudes in this draft. Like, I mean, you know, so that's – he's been to the Pro Bowl twice, I think, already. I would, I would hold off on – uh, on, on worrying about whether Tremaine Edmonds is going to be good or not. He's had three good seasons and he's really young. So, but, you know, fair if you, if they, they could use more depth. Linebacker is the key to that defense. All right. Ryan Wilson is the key to our draft coverage at CBS Sports. Make sure and watch CBS Sports HQ for all of Wilson's scorching hot Mac Jones takes. Thanks for hanging out in the chat. Thanks for listening. Enjoy Mock Draft Monday. We'll be back, uh, later. We'll be back tomorrow. This show never ends. It's daily. Forever. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.